this morning. Uh, I want you to go with me uh, in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 22. I'm not going to preach for too long this morning. <laughs> always say that, don't I? And then we know what happens. But I want to talk to you about an issue um, that I feel is necessary in our generation and in our culture today. Mei um, Fang was sharing with me a while ago about an eight, nine-year-old kid that went to do an eye test. This is an eight, nine-year-old boy. And uh, she said that when they did the eye test on this boy, they, the results that came out shocked them because this boy had power, an eye power of about eight to nine hundred. That's scary. And so I, I, I asked her, I said, are you serious? That was how high it was. She said, yeah, Pastor. She said it was eight, eight nine hundred. Uh, and I hope I'm getting that fact right. But then she, she began to tell me, she said, the reason for the spike of his power was because he's too young to handle the screen. And so it has taken a toll on him causing him to damage his eyesight. And if it's not dealt with or corrected in time, it can and may also eventually lead to possible blindness. And so I want to talk to you this morning about blindness because I really believe that when we get saved, we're no longer blind. That the victory anthem this morning that a Christian carries, the victory anthem that we shout and we sing this morning, beloved, declares that we are no longer blind. We declare the song that we sing, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, for I want to see you. And therefore, when we speak those words, when we sing those words in context to that beloved, our God has given us sight. We are delivered, we are set free from blindness. This is our heritage. That means all of us seated here this morning can be certain that we are no longer spiritually blind. That salvation has given us sight. In Acts 22, verses 12 through 6, a certain, uh, then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you, that you should know his will, and see the just one, and hear the voice of his mouth, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. Verses 16. For you will be his witness to all... Uh, sorry. And now why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So here we find the story, the testimony, the account of Saul's conversion. 
that it somehow was followed by receiving sight. The moment Saul was touched by God, one of the clear, one of the clear evidences that he was indeed touched by God was the ability to see. I make the statement to you that having the ability to see validates your salvation. How do I know I'm saved? When you can see things that are wrong and you know I'm not supposed to do that. When you have received your sight and have the ability to identify ungodliness and unrighteousness and there's a willingness that the Bible reveals to us that in salvation, Saul's eyes were open. Acts 9.18 gives us a better um, insight concerning this. Look at it. It says, Immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So visually, something changed. That Saul in, this, in the midst of not being able to see and now being able to see reveals to us the ability of, for salvation to change a person's mind. Because what you see influences your mind. Amen. What you look at, what you see, and if, if you fill your mind with garbage and if you watch stuff that just gives you, uh, 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 you know, nothing righteous, nothing holy, then your mind is filled with corruption. The Bible says, if you sow into corruption, you will also reap corruption. And so there's a powerful truth there that something changed and Scripture revealed that it was like scales that fell from his eyes. Now, being blind spiritually, I'm going to make this statement, I want you to catch this, and it may sound very offensive, but listen very carefully to me. Being blind spiritually is a curse. And I'll, I'll show you that in the Bible in a moment. We're not physically referring to those who are blind. We're referring to those who are indeed saved, have come to Christ, have received Jesus in their heart, but somehow that blindness is still upon them, that beloved is a curse. You know, today you drive and remember in our old, old uh, uh, cars, we used to have what is known as a blind spot mirror in a small little circle, right? And so the blind spot mirror helps you to see vehicles that probably is out of reach. And you know that, hey, there's a vehicle there, uh, I need to be careful because there's a car there. So, for whatever reason, this week I needed some entertainment. So what I did was I went on YouTube and I typed road rage, Malaysia. And have you seen some of these road rage videos? The guy who's taking the video is trying to blame the guy who got angry. Right? So he got this video on and then he's showing the video of the guy who got, you know, and he, the, the, the guy who's angry overtakes this guy and then he, you know, shows him either the finger or he, you know, gets like, shouts at him and scolds him. And then this guy says, you know, see, see, gangster on the road. But when you actually watch the whole video, the guy who's taking the video is at fault. 
He's the guy who offended him in the first place. He's the one that probably did not want to cut lanes or stayed on the middle lane and did not want to keep to the, to the rule. And this guy is honking, this guy is being patient with him, he's trying to flash his light or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, the guy who got angry is the bad guy. But this guy is a good guy. You know why, you know why, why things like that happen? Because when people are blind, they don't see their own faults. Everybody else is wrong except me. Amen. You didn't, you didn't think I was going there, right? But that's the truth. So when I saw these videos, I was like, oh my gosh, you are the one who did the wrong. You are the one who actually, you know, offend. I mean, I would sympathize for whichever driver that the guy got out of the car and had a road rage and then he came out, he got so upset and then he, you know, maybe shouted and even screamed. I can understand if it was indeed not his fault. But most of the time, it's the guy who's taking the video's fault. And he's upset with the other. So I realize this is exactly what happens in life. We have blind spot mirrors. We don't see those areas in our own lives where we have problems. And the Bible begins to give us some insight concerning this. That's why when we come to salvation, when we get saved, what seems acceptable and right in the eyes of others may seem wrong and unacceptable in your own eyes. Why is that so? Because we have what, is, what we call the Holy Spirit residing in us. Then we see things. We are enlightened that what seems right before now becomes wrong. Last time maybe it was the argument, what is so wrong I talk like that? Maybe when you were not right with God, maybe you said, you know, what is wrong if I looked at that? What is wrong if I acted like that? What is wrong if I spoke like that? But now when you become a Christian, something has to change. You have to see, yes, what I did was wrong. I'm at fault. I shouldn't be talking like that. But if we have not come to that place, beloved, then are we blind? Am I blind? See, this explains the distinction between someone who has truly come to salvation and someone who has merely said a prayer. How do we know that they are truly saved? Because now they see things differently. When the scales of the eye, just like Saul, when it falls, there is clarity. This is the evidence of our salvation. Now we see things and we can identify with it and say, this is wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted like that. I shouldn't have spoken. I shouldn't have... It comes to a place where now there's all of a sudden an enlightening. Now you can see I did, I've been doing wrong. I was told that you can go in for a LASIK surgery and someone can be so, um, um, you know, they, they can have all of these built-ups in their eyes. They could, you know, like Yen, Yen has glasses she wears. Uh, and I think her power is about 400, 500 each or something like that. And um, you can actually literally go in for LASIK. They'll do a laser on it. And you can walk out there without having to use glasses anymore. And the many testimonies that I read and what I've heard of is that 
people are very happy and there's an excitement. It's like, wow, I'm able to see without my glasses. Now. There's clarity, you know. And that's the proverbial quote of, I was blind, but now I see. It's like going in for a spiritual LASIK laser uh, uh, surgery. And that you walk out and you're like, wow. So how does God do that? How does God open our eyes? How does God cause us when we come? Maybe we looked at things and we excused ourselves, we justified this. is a, How does God open? What kind of spiritual lasting surgery does God do on us that you can come to church and all of a sudden walk out and say, wow, that was wrong all this while I've been talking like that and now I realize I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Wait, uh, Jesus. Jesus, I'll call you back. We were having lunch yesterday. I'll tell you a story. We were having lunch yesterday and, uh, with the pastors. And so we had a chair that was empty there. I told you a story will come out from that. And as we were sitting there, we kept this Chinese tea because one, one of the other pastors didn't come. And so we kept the Chinese tea there, empty chair. And Pastor Allen said, that's for Jesus. And so we looked, we said, okay, that's fine. Since you kept it there, it's for Jesus. Hopefully Jesus comes, he drinks his Chinese tea. The next thing we know, we, we were all, you know, in conversation and all that. And then we turned around and the tea was gone. We said, Jesus showed up. <laughs> Actually, one of them would have drank the tea. Don't, we are not that spiritual. Don't know. <laughs> I know you're thinking that, you know, wow, it happens in the pastors. No, no. We talk politics, we talk uh, uh, Kung Fu, we talk Jet Li, we talk about all kinds. I think we only mentioned the word sermon one time. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, going back to my sermon, beloved, is that we at times need LASIK, spiritual LASIK surgery. Now, the point we see in this text as we go back to it, the Bible says in verses 15, Acts twenty-two fifteen, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. The Bible gives us insight, and this is what I want to home in on this morning, that there is something that transpires and happens that you will find yourself in a place where you can be mightily used by God by what you've seen and what you've heard. The Bible mentions this, that what Saul had seen, what Saul had visually observed with his eyes would become something useful, an instrument for his destiny with God. So what we have to establish here is that this wasn't something that is coincidental. This needed to happen. Saul had to see something. Saul had to have his eyes open. Saul had to have that encounter in order to come to a place from not doing something for God to a place of doing something for God. This is what we call an aha moment, a moment of revelation. Have you had moments like that where you begin to read something in the Bible and you're like, ah, now I know. Or you've come to church and pastor is preaching and you hear something and you're like, ah, now I realize. It's a revelation that happens. 
It's like the term I said, I was blind, but now I see. And you looked at your life and you said, nothing wrong, what? What's wrong? And you can be told a hundred times it's not right, but you never realize that's what Saul in our text, the Bible says he had to have this to become a powerful witness for God. He had to have this visual encounter. Paul's salvation and Paul's salvation encounter propelled him to fulfill the will of God for his life. What Paul saw, the deliverance from blindness was indeed pivotal to Paul's destiny. And this is what I want to home in on here. On a more direct note, beloved, unless we are truly born again, the Bible says you must be born again, saved. Where the Bible tells us the scales fell off his eyes. Unless we have that encounter, unless we truly experience God in such a manner where God truly opened our eyes, what we were doing before, now we see as sin. What we were saying before, now we see as hurting God's heart. What we were speaking and acting out before, now we see this was wrong all this while. It's a man or a woman that came to a place that was blind, but all of a sudden, God opens their eyes and they can now see. This right here propels a man or a woman into the will of God. See, many of us as Christians struggle with seeing areas in our own lives. We see it in other people, right? We can always see the speck in our brother's eye, but we cannot see the log in our own eye. Right? We can see the faults in other people, but we don't see the problem in us. This is the issue right here. And how does God open His children's eyes? How does God do that? I think God uses oftentimes the preaching of God's Word. That when you come to church and you hear the preaching... That's one reason why maturity begins to happen. That you begin to look at life and you realize that, oh, what I used to do before was wrong. Now I see it and I understand this was not except The preaching enlightens you. The preaching exposes things. That's why the enemy assaults the preaching so much today. He takes our attention away. The Word of God exposes things. That's why the reading of God's Word is so vital to the Christian life. Godly counsel. These are ways that God opens our eyes to see. What I really want to address is that if we fail to identify these areas in our lives, we can dismiss it. Yeah, yeah, I know the problem is there. We can dismiss it, but we will rob ourselves of the destiny, the purpose, and the plan that God has for us. Salvation this morning is meant to remove blindness. But Christians today seem to embrace blindness 
ignore, dismiss, push it aside. You heard me say just now, blindness is like a curse. Mark 8, 18, the Bible says, Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? Having eyes, but not being able to see. Acts 28, 26-27, Bible says, Go, to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. You, you, know who Jesus, you know who God was speaking to? The children of Israel. Look, look at this passage. It, it, this is scary to think about. Seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of these people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. So that I should heal them. So God at times in the rebellion of the human heart says, Stay blind. Just stay blind. I don't want you to see. Because when you see, you will turn and repent. I don't want you to turn and repent. This is what he did to the children of Israel. Now, this is not going against God's character. The Bible says it is appointed that God it says he's not select concerning his promise that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God intends everyone to come to repentance. But if people keep pushing God's buttons, remember Pharaoh. What did God do? That his heart will become hardened. So listen, beloved, this is a dangerous thing when we can go through life and not see things that are wrong we are doing and not get it right because it essentially means that God, who's trying to get our attention, says, you can stay like that if you want. There's nothing to be prideful or happy about when you think about it this seems to me that god intentionally allows it for judgment so if i am not seeing things in my life this is why every day i come and i pray because i know and i understand there are things i don't see in my human eyes that god has to expose to me in my prayer life because there are things I'm blinded to. There are things I don't see. And for me to come to that place and accept it and say, oh, this is life. That means I am choosing to simply say, God, as your word says, you allowed this to happen. It's not a nice thing when God says, I'm going to let you be blind. you got eyes, but you cannot see. you got ears, but you cannot hear. I'm going to let that be. We're going to look at a few more scriptures. But you see, the enemy today has affected us, effectively blinded Christians from seeing. We said a prayer. We accepted Jesus, right? And then we get forgiveness of sin. Amen. But guess what? The journey doesn't stop there. Our character has to change. Christianity is not only about forgiveness of sin, it is about Jesus changing our lives. 
And that's why I'm preaching a series, I forgot to tell you, on Sunday nights, I've called it The Nine. The hallmark of a life that's transformed. What are the evidences? I have met some very rude Christians. I met some very, oh, thank you. The nine hallmarks of a trans. I might do a t-shirt on it. It's a nine-week series. I, I'm working on it. I'm, but, but I want to challenge you. It, it's not about, I, I didn't buy it. Huh? <laughs> I'm working on this. I am working on the entire series on the sermon, just so you know. Some of you, he bought it. Lah. Who cares? I'll go and look for it online. But you won't find this online. Until I finish, then I'll publish it online. <laughs> maybe I might get someone to help me write the book uh, uh, and, and put it together. Uh, maybe Sister Fanny can. <laughs> but the point is, listen, listen, jokes aside, the truth is this. You and I can get saved, forgiveness of sin, but our character can remain unchanged. There are nine characters in the Bible that tells us are evident to the Christian life. And so I, I look around, I, I met so many Christians that have very funky uh, 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 characters and just, just amazes me. And they say they're Christians, they're saved. And so I'll be talking and I'll be addressing that on Sunday nights, I want to do that. But beloved, listen to me very carefully. The enemy has blinded us we get saved, salvation purchases our sight, but compromise promotes blindness. Can I say that again? Salvation purchases our sight. We begin to see because of Jesus' forgiveness. Now your eyes become open. But the moment you start compromising in your Christian life, you begin to embrace blindness. This is why it's so difficult for a Christian to admit they are wrong. This is why it's so difficult for a Christian to sit in preaching and say, oh, that's for me. What do we often do? <laughs> that's for you right there. Pastor's preaching to you. <laughs> right? We, we point to other people. But we won't say, it's me. It's me. I messed up. I need help. Why we don't say that? Because we think we're perfect. When we look at the mirror, we are blindsided. Even though you're supposed to be seeing, but you see what you want to see. Right? When I look at the mirror, I put on my coat and I look. So I don't, I don't let this protrude out so that, you know, I don't see that part of it. And I walk straight and I'm like, looking good, looking sharp. Right? But the point is we choose what to see and what not to see. That's what happens in front of a mirror. We choose. And this is exactly what we do in our Christian life. When we don't want to deal with it, God in His love is showing us. Do you realize it's God's love that is still allowing us to see the faults in us? When we can no longer see it, when we are blindsided to it, that means God might have said, you're on your own. Human nature has a way of refuting correction when it begins to hurt them. When we lose sight of the value of the cross, I'm getting ready to close here. 
when we forget, when we lose sight, now the cross no longer has value, beloved. Now the lack of sight, the inability to see what Jesus did for me and you, devalues the conviction. No longer do we appreciate the challenge. No longer do we appreciate the correction because we have lost sight of what Jesus died for. That means when I can still see my wrong, it is a good thing. It is a good thing. If I can still see, hey, why, why am I speaking like that? Why am I reading stuff like that? Why am, and I can see something is wrong. That means I know that God is still helping me. Believers are blindsided. No longer do we see our actions and what it's doing to our relationship with God. We can get saved, as I said, but be blinded to our character, our attitude, our thinking. We can say a sinner's prayer and still continue down that path. We can become complacent and numb, beloved. We can become less and less sensitive to the Spirit of God. We can sit in sermons and begin to say, oh, that's not for me. But I declare to you and I challenge you right here, we've got to examine ourselves. We've got to examine. God, search me this morning. Show me. Let me give you a few examples as we close. Ezekiel. The Bible tells us that God begins to speak to the prophet Ezekiel and he said, go down to the house of Israel where you reside. And the Bible says that he, re and he told Ezekiel to go down and speak to them. Ezekiel 2.12. Isaac, if you can pull that up quick, then I can read that. Ezekiel 2.12. I don't think I gave that to Jeremy. But the Bible begins to tell us that they have eyes but do not see. And God begins to say, they are a rebellious house. So notice with me, it's a curse. When you can live the way you want to live and not know that, hey, this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this to God. And you do not see the wrong you're doing. Beloved, it's a curse. The Bible says they are a rebellious house. And God began to associate the sin of rebellion to the sin of witchcraft. This is scary. That the only reason why I have eyes to see but do not see is because there's a curse. I cannot see it. The children of Israel, Romans 11, 8. God gave them a spirit of stupor. I think I'm saying it right. I'm sorry, I didn't. But the word simply means near unconsciousness. God gave it to them. That means, do we have that, bro? Can you put Romans 11, 8 up? Uh, yeah, just, just put it up. Um, he says he gave them a spirit of stupor, which simply meant mere unconsciousness. In other words, the inability to, in, insensitivity, God gave them that. That's a shocker, beloved. That's a shocker when you think about it. Why would God do that to the children of Israel? Why would He do that? 
And if you read further on, God removed their sight, their ability to see, so that they won't receive from God. So blindness is not a good thing, church. If we continue pressing the wrong buttons with God, and we're ignorant to who we are and what we're doing, it can be a sign. The people in Bethany in John chapter 12, verses 40, it says Jesus did so many miracles there. He healed the sick, cleansed the leper, Many, many miracles. And yet the Bible says, seeing all that Jesus has done, imagine with me, they saw all Jesus did. They saw the miracles, they saw the signs, they saw the wonders, they saw everything Jesus did, and yet because of their blindness, they had no appreciation for God. You realize blindness not only roots from the spirit of rebellion, but blindness causes us to forget that it all comes from God. And I challenge you this morning to take a good introspective look into your own hearts, examining, God, have I been negligent? Have I been rebellious? I know I've come into church. You've been speaking to me. I know through the preaching of your word, you've been trying to open my eyes. I know that through the word I've been reading every day, you've been showing me things, but I've just been pushing it aside. And like what the Bible says in Genesis, God will not strive with men any longer. There comes a day where God will say, you don't want my conviction? fine he's a gentleman and so the question this morning as we close is have we lost sight How are we no longer able to see beloved if that is true it's time to repent if we are living our life in ungodliness, in unrighteousness, if we are living our lives in ways that are pleasing not to God, if we are doing things that are displeasing to Him and we are becoming more and more accepting towards it, beloved, we are being blinded by the fact that something is not right. Because the evidence of myself, if I'm truly saved, I should be aware that this is not right for me to do. Are you with me? This is not right. I shouldn't be saying this. I shouldn't be acting that. I shouldn't be looking at that. I should know. It should give me sight to know that is the proof of my salvation. So who opens us up? The Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, 31, Jesus was coming rose from the dead, the Bible says here, their eyes were opened and they knew Him. Can God restore your sight this morning? Can God restore that conviction that what was once wrong is still wrong today? Can God restore your ability to identify those areas? Don't go too long and say, you know, oh, I'll deal with it later. No, while you have sight, while you know it's wrong, repent and get it right. 
Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He shows you things. The Bible says as the disciples were walking, the Bible says their eyes were open. They saw Jesus and immediately they knew it was Jesus. What happened? What triggered that? What makes you come into the house of God and revere God, respect God, show Him adoration, pay Him homage? What makes you do that, beloved? Well, a simple fact that your eyes were open and you know He is God. That He's not a man for me to play the fool with. He's God. He's God. He sees it all. He knows it all. And when your eyes can be opened to that, and you know when you come into worship and you adore Him, you are at home and you have the fear of God in your heart. Beloved, your eyes are open. You know it is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. And you will play no game. See, that is what the Holy Spirit does. It bears witness. See, the cure for our blindness is the Holy Spirit. That I can be blind to my ways. How many times I have felt, I know we hear people say, that, you know, I felt God slap me on my face. Uh, the truth is, oftentimes what that simply means is God, through His Holy Spirit, brought conviction. There are times I've made mistakes. I blew up in anger. And I said stuff I shouldn't say. Obviously not. I, I, somehow I never am tempted to use vulgarity in my language, but I say stuff that I shouldn't have said. And I start screaming and yelling and shouting. And then I begin to realize, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. That's wrong. But what, what caused that? Not that I'm a perfect man. In fact, that proves my imperfection. That God is trying to change me and you. God opened up the eyes and said, no, that was wrong. That was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. The Holy Spirit did that. And all through the Word of God, as we close, we find this to be true. It's possible to think we are right. To think we are right. To think we are right. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. I've had people argue over the years of pastoring about tithing and about giving and about... I've had people come in and I say, I don't even argue anymore. Beloved, truly, I don't. I don't even get into debates. It's between you and God. Really, it's really between you and God. And I realized that at that moment of time, as I came to that place, I realized God began. I had a man that came to church just before MCO was over. He, he had gone, someone invited him to another, and he came to church. He said, you know, pastor, it was so weird, blah, blah, blah. He's telling me something. I, I cannot seem to accept what they said and so on and so forth. He was sharing with me some of the doctrines. And it was, it, fairly, it was not acceptable. But he said, then it came time for offering. And then the pastor said, you have to give a tenth of your income. I said, yeah, okay, that's biblical. That, that's what scripture says. But I left it with him. He was not agreeable. He said, I, I don't think, you know, what, what is this that churches want to take that? But you know, he started coming. And one fine day, he came to me and says, Pastor, can I have the account number? God dealt with me that I should be obedient to my tithe. There's no need to argue. But a revelation, 
At one time, what you saw was not necessary to do. Suddenly, your eyes was open. I have to do it. Who does that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And this is why, beloved, the Bible says when you choose not to respond to the Spirit of God, it is unforgivable. Acts 8, 36, 38, last scripture. I've been saying close, right, bro? I've been done three times already. Yeah. Very early. Okay. <laughs> He's offended. Can you feel him? I can feel him. He's offended. He's like... <laughs> Acts 8, 36 to 38. Promise I close here. <laughs> if not, you buy me lunch. <laughs> now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Imagine, here's an Ethiopian eunuch. Here's an Ethiopian. I mean, this guy is a non-believer. He's reading the book of Isaiah, the Bible says. Read Acts 8. He's reading the book of Isaiah. And as he's reading, he sees Philip come by. And he says, can you come and explain these scriptures to me? Philip explains it to him. And he says, there's water there. What is that stopping me? Who opened his eyes? The Holy Spirit. Can I challenge you this morning? This is a twofold message. Number one, it's personal for us. We need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. We need to come to the altar and say, God, I need you through your Holy Spirit to let me see things that I'm doing that's not right. Show me things, God. I can be arrogant, I can be prideful, but show me things, God. I want you to open my eyes. I want you to show me things. Secondly, stop fighting with people. Learn to leave your battles to Jesus because the Holy Spirit is the best to convict, to correct, and to change. When you learn to come to that place, you can battle with people all your You get frustrated. You get upset. Why they're not listening? They're not going to listen to you. You know who they'll listen to? You know who can get the attention? The Holy Spirit. And I challenge you right here. Two things you leave with. Number one, God search me this morning. Open my eyes. Let me see things I've been blinded to. Number two, God, that's very people that frustrate me. I want your Holy Spirit to open their eyes. I want you to bow your heads with me.